scarcity, the idea that there isn't enough of something. So scarcity is defined as the state of being scarce or in short supply. The idea that there isn't enough of something. We can see this in money, time, business, love. Well, really, you can find it anywhere you look if you're looking. It's sort of like a never-ending cycle or being on a hamster wheel that never stops. It goes over and over and over again. And you're stuck in this mindset or this idea that you're never going to have enough of the thing that you long for. So what is scarcity keeping you from in your life? There are still days that I wake up and I look at everything I've built and I say, but what if I lose it tomorrow? I better have a plan B or I better work harder today to make sure that I don't lose everything I've built. This is an example of scarcity. So the call to action, when you're in overdoing mode, kind of like being on that hamster wheel that I described over and over again, or you notice that you're really, really worried about money, stop and ask yourself, what am I afraid of? If there is something you're afraid of or losing or not having enough, say hello to your friend scarcity. (laughs) Simply noticing where you are at may help release some anxiety around it. Most people think that they can overcorrect and only think of abundance. I'm sure you've heard people say that the opposite of scarcity is abundance. Unfortunately, sometimes if all we do is think of the opposite of scarcity, we end up creating more scarcity. So I invite you to instead slow down and think about what does all this mean to you? What does not enough money actually mean? What is it keeping you from or what are the experiences that you deeply desire to have that we're focusing on money for instead of the experience itself? Spend time in the moment experiencing it for what it is. So I gave you the example of my business earlier. If all I do is focus on my business every day from the standpoint of I might lose it, it might be gone tomorrow, all my clients might fire me, and the whole thing might come tumbling down. Then everything I do is from a place of fear or lack instead of an abundance mindset, which again, it's not the opposite of everything's rosy. It'll all be fine. I have so much. Again, that's the exact opposite and the brain knows when it's being tricked or it's tricking you. Again, that's sort of the exact opposite, which works for a little while, but it doesn't work long-term. You always end up creating more and right back in the same spot. So instead, I focus on the vision of my life or the vision of my business. My business is about service, about serving clients who come through my door and trusting that the people that are going to work with me will find me and that I will find them. A completely different way of approaching my business as opposed to I need more clients. The same principle can be with money. Believe it or not, when I focus on money, I focus on my relationship with money. How do I want to feel about money? What do I want my money to look like, sound like, smell like, feel like? And for me, that's flow. It's an energy exchange in the world. So that doesn't mean that I'm always going to be full of it, meaning full of abundance, full of flow of cash. But it does mean that it will come and go and I trust the energetics of it in the moment. I hope these gave you something to think about. I'm so excited to have Carrie Ann Matheson with us today. She is a powerhouse. 
She is a vocal coach, a pianist, a conductor, an educator, and an incoming artistic director of the San Francisco Opera Center. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for being with us. It was such a pleasure, Elena. <laughs> um, let's see, carry on. I can remember when I first met you. I came from my own very first vocal coaching session with you, and I had been told that you were the woman to see. Um, at the time, I think I was mid, mid-career and working on some beautiful French rep, and people said, Carrie Ann is the woman. So I called you up, and I remember I was so nervous because at the time you were at the Metropolitan Opera, and I'd never been backstage at <laughs> the Metropolitan Opera, and you were like, yeah, just come on over. We're going to do this vocal coaching there. And I remember uh, just walking into this institution and to the room, and what I, I fell in love with you because you were so warm and open and caring and kind and funny. And for the first time um, along my opera journey, I realized that people like you existed <laughs> and that you cared. You cared about who I was and um, how my journey in opera was going to be. So I just think the world of you. And I'd love to hear more about how you got on this journey yourself. Wow. Well, I remember that day too. And I didn't know that you were nervous because you were so like poised and you had this light coming from you that made me love being in the room with you. So I think, you know, we are, we are mirrors of, of people. So, so that was, and I remember it in my little studio at the Met. Um, (laughs) What was the question again? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're just like, oh, memories. Um, how did you start your musical journey? How did you get here? Well, you know, I started like most kids. It was the thing you did. You took piano lessons. Um, you know, I remember the reason that I wanted to start piano lessons in the first place was because I really liked the lady that was the piano teacher. And that should have been my first clue that personal connection was one of the things that was going to be really important to me going forward in my life. Yeah. So, so that's the only reason I started playing piano was because I liked hanging out at her house. <laughs> and, that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, I showed an aptitude for it. So the normal things, music in school, and I was a solo pianist for a long time, but um, solo pianists live really solitary lives. They are spending you know, eight, nine, ten hours a day sitting at their instrument, practicing on their own. And that really, for me, was not where my heart was. I enjoy exchanging energy with people. And so I wanted to be, I wanted to bring my musical gifts also to somewhere where I could do that at the same time. So then I started broadening out, working with instrumentalists, and then through a series of amazing coincidences, I discovered that I had an aptitude for working with singers. And and it was sort of like when all of those pieces came together and I found myself in the world of of opera and song, um, my love of literature, my love of people, and my love of music, it all came together in a really, really excellent way. And, and I've never, I mean, I just grabbed it and went. 
Well, I love that so much of um, partnership and people and humans are weaved through your story because that's actually who I know you to be. And I'd love to hear your take on how does partnering with singers on stage look, especially with people who have massive performance anxiety? Um, So for me, I was one of those people that I still, to this day, the moment I get on stage, massive butterflies, anxiety, pressure. And, and how do you deal with that? Well, you know, I've suffered from, from a tremendous amount of performance anxiety over the years. And I can say that I finally, I feel like I've conquered it. I figured it out for me. And that is a testimony to the power of a good coach. <laughs> I started working with a, with a performance coach. Um, and, and I, I, I'm happy to talk more about that, but to answer your question, look, when we get on stage, what do, what are we nervous about? Where I was nervous about perceived judgment. I was nervous that I felt like I didn't own any of what I was doing, that I didn't deserve to be where I was, that I didn't deserve to be on stage with the greatest singers or um, like really great musicians. There was always this like f- little bit of fraud syndrome happening in my head. Um, that was quite frankly, just categorically untrue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but it took me a long time to come to the place in myself that I was comfortable enough to say, okay, you've done the work, you deserve to be here. Um, and you, when you put that kind of pressure on yourself to be perfect, or to try to please everyone when you're standing on stage, or to be afraid that it could all disappear at the la- at any moment. What I was doing was robbing myself of any joy in being on stage. And so the key for me was to turn the to turn the story in my head. To, for me, I'm a helper. I'm someone who loves to see the people that I'm working with succeed and achieve and empower. And I, I love to, I feed off of that in other people. I feel great when I see that happening to people. So I had to tap into that sense and say, okay, when I walk out on stage or when I walk into the pit to conduct a performance, what am I in service of? And that was the first piece for me because I was someone before who if somebody had asked me why I did this job, I would say, well, yeah, okay. When I'm coaching that for me is so rewarding and so fun. When I'm performing, I do it because they pay me. Mm. I can Mm. (laughs) now everybody needs to make money. That's clear. But for me, that was not enough of a reason to make me feel good about walking on stage. And so once I shifted into what am I here, that all changed for me. That was a lot. Yeah. So what are you in service of? Because I think I actually think you're a disruptor of the world. I mean, that's why you're on this series. I brought you here because I think you're out there doing some incredible stuff. So what, like, what are you standing for? I think so. When I'm uh, the first breakthrough I had about this was as a conductor because because I came late to conducting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it was fraught with uh, doubt and like, can I really do this? Do I know what I'm doing? And you're standing in front of a hundred people who are all staring at you and people you have a job to do. And it was my mind, the torture that I went through in my mind was really extreme. So 
um, I just decided with the help of this really great performance coach from California, Dana Fontenot is her name. She runs the wholehearted musician. And the point was, is that I would walk into the pit and decide I would have a mission for the day. So a performance of Don Pasquale, for example, my only mission was to bring joy to every single person around me, to be the facilitator for joy. And that was something, Elena, that I could grab onto with no problem. And any time that that little like doubting voice came in, I was like, and I really was able to go, thank you very much, sit down. Now let's let's get back on focusing on what this is. And so really being present with the people on the stage so that I could help them to stand in their own greatness. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, have all of the energy that is around me and harness it as best I can to make it into a joyful experience. So it's almost like being a conduit of any intention you choose in the moment. 100%. That's an excellent way to put that. And that's what I felt in that. I remember the first time I was able to do it, I was not nervous. I'd focused before. I knew how the performance was going to go before I walked into the pit because my own intention was so strong. So um, that was condu- that's conducting. As a pianist, it's a little bit different because I'm on stage with the singer. I'm partnering with the singer. Um, I'm very, as you know, very sensitive to energy, yeah. and which, which is a, an enormous strength, actually, of mine. And it took me a long time to say those words. <laughs> I love that about you. Yeah. Ownership. Right? Yeah. No. And it, it's a, it's one of my greatest skills is I'm intuitive and I am very sensitive to energy. And for what I do as a profession, these are two skills that are very, very valuable for me. Yeah. And what can you say to people who actually don't own their gifts like you are right now? Like, what does it provide you to own your gifts like this? Huh. In not doing it, you rob yourself of joy. Mm. I feel so much better and so much able, more able to withstand high pressure situations because I know who I am. And who you are, no one can take that from you, no matter what kind of chaos is around you. And right now, let's be honest, we're in a period of extreme change and extreme chaos and loss and fear and a lot of things. But the one thing that I have in the middle of this is I have a very clear idea of who I am. And that is comforting and solid. It's so beautiful because I can hear the work that you've done to get to that place. And I'm wondering what advice you would have for anybody who's struggling in that middle section of like, I think I know who I am, but I'm not sure, especially now, like you said, during COVID, during social unrest, during election season, all the things um, where people are lost. What advice would you give that person? I think I would say just keep going. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. I mean, I, I, we, I was your vocal coach and then you became my coach. You were a client. Right. I was a client of yours. Yeah. 
I don't know how long was that four, five years ago, something like four years ago, I think. Yeah. yeah. And we did a lot of great work together, but the work that we did then is manifesting now. <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Because a little while to catch up sometimes. <laughs> You just, I mean, of course there were, there was immediate results. There were immediate results, but the truth is it's all a process of unlocking one thing after another. And the, the journey, I think the other thing I would say is enjoy the journey. Even when it's scary, you have to just say, all right, look at it. What is it? My favorite question now to ask is, is this true? I'm asking myself that all the time. If I look at a situation and I start to panic or start to feel insecure about what's happening in the world, I'm about to make an enormous change in my life. I'm moving from Europe to San Francisco via Toronto. Every, nothing in my life right now feels solid except for who I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's your home base. Yeah. My home base. Thank God I have that. Oh my goodness. So yeah, one foot in front of another and it's going to be hard. It is hard, but look it in the face and just keep going. Well, and I love that you said that it's going to be hard because I think that some people uh, sometimes think that the journey is supposed to be easy or joyful the whole time. And I'm, I'm curious, what did you have to give up? Either uh, we talked about some limiting beliefs earlier, like I heard you say some things like imposter syndrome or am I going to be good enough or whatever limiting beliefs you might have, but what did you have to give up to actually allow for this new chapter to come into your life? I think I, I have a very realistic view of what things are. Nothing is ever going to be 100% good. Nothing is as we are not hundred percent good. We are not 100% bad, but we are both of those things. We have all of these things and in us and look at that and you're honest about that. Um, it, it provides a little bit of removal, I think, a, a distance. You can distance yourself by saying, okay, here we go. This is really awesome in my life right now. And this is a little bit crap. And the universe will balance things out somehow. Sometimes this is going to be better. Sometimes this is going to be better. But no matter what, here I am in the middle. And it's, it's all going to be okay. But if you look at things like in a utopian way, forget it. It's never going to be that way. Love it. So it sounds like you had to give up it being one way or the other and just accepting all of it. It's a journey. Beautiful. All right. Well, we have to talk about what's happening in the opera world right now. Yeah. Right. I mean, cause like we're all virtual. Basically everybody's trying to figure out how to perform, how to show up. I know some some houses actually in Europe are, are moving forward with some performances now, but what do you see um, is next from where we're at today for musicians, for singers, for opera? Hmm. That's a great question. You know what I see? I see that change and innovation is usually born out of necessity. And there will be some who don't survive this. That is clear. There will be some people and some companies who decide, you know what? I don't want to fight this fight anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and then there will be, and that's okay. That's okay. 
then there will be on the other side people who whose determination and will to fight will be ignited by this and out of the ashes something will something incredible will come out of this i think people the possibilities for change and innovation are are enormous right now and it takes the right right group of people to stand on the front lines and say okay no we are going to be bold we are going to be creative we have got to find new ways of doing things the way the old way of doing opera with people like standing and being very proper and wearing pretty costumes and not saying anything i don't believe that's going to work anymore so i just recently did a recital with joyce di donato for the met mm-hmm. now this was it it was a recital but what she did what she decided to do was have like a chamber orchestra on one side and me on the other side and she was on this platform in the middle and there was an art installation around her and there was like rock concert lighting and how innovative and creative that was it brings a whole other part to going to see a recital for example Mm-hmm. It becomes an all-encompassing experience. I suspect that we're going to see more of that mm-hmm. because we don't, we're not the same people that we were 30, 40, 10. We are not the same people we were five years ago. Our world is so different and we're going to catch up with it. The, the digital medium, it's here to stay now. Mm-hmm. We have to be careful with that because we as a society, it's too easy. It's too easy to stay like this, sit on, to sit at home, and to have a connection with people. Because I'm connecting with you right now. I'm super happy to see you. Yeah. But if we were sitting at a table somewhere having this conversation, that would be a whole different experience, right? Yes. Yep. So I think we have to be careful to appreciate and develop this new side of things, which is which is necessary and and has tons of possibilities but we need to remember that as human beings we need to actually physically connect with people Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no it's perfect because what i love about your work i was just going to tie it to what you're a stand for in the world which is you're developing um even more of a coaching platform right moving forward and and i and i imagine that will look all different kinds of ways but I know one of the things you stand for is that singers come and feel that they can be humans and, and you, and you bring that out in them. So what are some of the, the ways you want to start exploring or creatively working with people now in our time period from where we're at? I think what's really important is that each of us as individuals, we, we need to figure out who we are and what we want. And what we are best at. So when you stand for singers, you walk into an audition room, you stand in front of people, and you're asking them to like you. Right? Think about how disempowering that could be. Mm -hmm. You've come from a place before of coaches and teachers and conductors, pianists, whoever, telling you, this is what you should do. This is what you should do. This is what you should do. And it's like you're a sticker album with all of these opinions like stuck all over you. And 
what I dream of is a world in which musicians, particularly singers, you guys are the most vulnerable to this because people tell singers what to do way more than any other musician. And I understand why. It's because you can't hear yourselves, right? So you have to trust, you have to trust the people on the outside, but in the wrong hands. That's another that, set of issues, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, what, I, what I dream of is a world in which the, the book is so well-rounded and solid that the stickers are like decorations and you might want them there and you might not, but you can take them off if they don't serve you. But the core, so I, I have this dream of developing a program that is holistic and that will empower all of the parts of the, of the human being as well as training the artist in the nuts and bolts of artistry, mm-hmm. but that you know, when you walk into that audition, know who you are, what you have to say, what you're the best at, and you're sure of that. That's so good. Again, it's so, so good. And it's so needed. I just yeah. think this new level and this new approach to disruption of, of the music industry will change it to the next level of, of creativity and artists. And, um, and it also makes me think of the universe now because one of the questions I've been asking you know, most of the ladies is if the universe is conspiring to support you, what would it be saying to you or what would it be creating for you? What do you think? Hmm. For me, yeah, be bold. And people at the front, like if you think of like a, a flock of birds, right? <laughs> There's... There's something, there's a person at the front that's taking like the biggest hit, right? A person, a, a, a bird, I don't know, I'm losing this metaphor, but but you have to be willing to like be the one that's going to walk through the walls. And because I'm so passionate about what I'm, what about my mission for this program in San Francisco, that's, that's going to be no problem for me because I, I'm so convinced that this is the way forward. If we can have empowered everyone if imagine if everyone on this planet was empowered and able to say to look at themselves in the mirror and honestly know this is what i'm good at yeah i'm really crap at some other things but i'm really good at this mm-hmm. <laughs> and do i really need to be good at those other things wow you know what elena's really good at that so i'm going to let elena be good at that and i'm going to be good at this <laughs> imagine if everyone was able to be like that what what kind of world we could live in and I know that's like pie in the sky and that probably will never happen, but I'm determined to help as many people as I can around me learn that they are great. Well, and to me, that's the definition of leadership. I mean, that's what we're training leaders to do everywhere in the world. And you are the leader in this arena. So it's really beautiful to watch. Yeah. Imagine, imagine if we had singers standing on stage, each one of them feeling you know what? I'm going to go out there and do this is what I'm the best at. This is where I'm unique. And, and not to be ashamed of where they're unique, but to celebrate where they're unique and highlight and develop and enhance where they're unique rather than being like, oh God, 
I, I don't sound like this person next to me, so I'm going to like go into my shame place. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's such great work, right? Because if you think about all artists and even any, I mean, we can expand the field to Hollywood, to, you know, comedians, to anybody. What, I, what I'm present to is it's just, it, it's support. It's development. It's human development. It's learning who, all your your pitfalls as a human, and um, yeah, what's possible from there. I just I got really inspired. I always get inspired when I talk to you. <laughs> I want to tell you one more thing about this concert that I did last Saturday in yeah. in uh, with Joyce for the Met. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was like a fairly high pressure engagement. Okay, like I mean, well, it's Joyce. Yes. <laughs> And it was a huge platform and lots of people and there was chaos around because it was like a film set. And so, and I knew, I knew that that was going to happen. So I started doing my mental preparation like a couple of weeks before knowing that this was going to happen. Okay. How am I going to handle this? What am I going to do? And when I went for a walk on the morning of the concert and I thought again, okay, what do you need to do, Carrie Ann? Because today, the days before had been chaos. And I was not so great in self-care the days before because I was there. I'm not even going to bore you with the reasons why, but it was not so easy. And I failed. <laughs> yeah. I failed. So I'm walking along this river and I thought, okay, let's come back to the center. Who are you and what are you good at? Mm. Where can you go that no matter how much things shake around, shake around you, that you can, where can you stand solid? For me, 100%, it's my sense of intuition. And I knew that if I honed that in on Joyce and on the music that we're playing, there was my solid place. And all it took was just that one thing to bring me back to my center and say, okay. And I went in, I played that concert where before maybe I did had done this work, I, my hands would have been shaking and I would have been terrified to make a mistake and I didn't play perfectly, but I don't care. Beautiful. Ah, oh, so good. I love it. I love these stories. All right. Last question. If you had a megaphone and had to make a statement leading the world into the new year, what would you say to the whole world? I'm going to say again, be bold and trust yourself. Yes. <laughs> you know, the answers. you know, the answers, you just have to unlock them one by one. Everything will inform each other the next thing, but trust that you know yourself better than anyone. Ask yourself the questions that you need to, to get to the core of who you are, because who you are is amazing. Mm. Yes, preach. <laughs> so important. Oh man. Carrie Ann, I love you so much. I'm so grateful uh, for you that you exist on this earth, that you're a leader of the world. Thank you so much for being here and your time. Thank you. I've loved this. In a Manner of Speaking is an original podcast hosted by me, Elena Armijo, and produced by the following amazing team. Sam DeSanto in Creative Direction, Meg McCarley, Brand Designer in Social Media, Rye Taylor, Podcast Design Strategist and Producer, Rajan No, Business Writer, John Beethan, President Imagine Podcasting, and music by J. Aaron Boykin. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs>